The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We want to talk about Ireland's triple lock policy for deploying the Defence Forces overseas because it's going to be examined and debated at this summer's National Consultative Forum on Ireland's security policy. It means that separate approval is needed by the government, by the Doyle, and a UN resolution before Irish troops can be deployed on a mission. Now, to talk about this is Cahalberry, independent TD, but knows a lot about all of this stuff because he's a former Army Ranger. Cahal, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, how did the triple lock come about that we needed all this reassurance before we'd put our troops in harm's way? So it, it kind of dates back to 2002, Pat. Um, you might remember the Nice Treaty. Uh, it was rejected at a first attempt by the Irish public and a civil declaration was included the second time round. So the civil declaration was the first real, I guess, uh, enshrining of a, a triple lock type, type mechanism. Um, and as a result, the, uh, the Nice Treaty was, was voted through in the second attempt. Okay. Now, the idea being is that we couldn't just willfully decide tomorrow morning to invade the Isle of Man. Correct. Yeah. So um, look, we can send a dozen troops. So there's a seeding of 12 troops. So Ireland can take a sovereign decision to uh, deploy 12 troops anywhere in the world, should they wish, or up to 12 troops. But anything above that requires the triple lock. And the problem with the triple lock is that we do have the keys to the first two locks, but we don't have the key to the third lock, which is mm. the UN authorization. That's where the, the problem is. Now, the government of the day can make the decision to deploy, uh, but then they must seek the approval of the Doyle, and that uh, makes sure there's no democratic deficit in this decision-making process. So we decide that we want to do something as a, a country to deploy our forces, maybe on foot of a cry for help from somebody, and then it's got to go to the UN. Yeah, and if it goes to the UN, it has to go to the Kremlin, it has to go to Beijing, and it has to go to our former colonial masters in, in number 10 Downing Street as well. So um, I, I guess the discussion we're having this morning really is, is whether we wish to maintain the status quo and, and leave the, the triple lock in place, or, or whether we want to return to the way things were before 2002, when there was no triple lock. But uh, the absence of a triple lock also served the country well, and that we could still participate uh, very, very well in, in peacekeeping, even without the triple lock being in existence. Now, you mentioned our, uh, the, the Kremlin, going to the Kremlin, going to Beijing, uh, going to Downing Street to get approval, uh, which suggests that it's not just a UN resolution of the General Assembly, but that the Security Council would have to give us the nod. Is that the case in the triple lock? Uh, correct, yeah. So there's, there's five permanent members of the Security Council, so it's those three capital cities but also Paris and Washington. And either of those five uh, permanent uh, members can veto any resolution. So really what it is, is we're actually outsourcing uh, a significant component of of Irish foreign policy and giving, I guess, a major say, uh, or a caveat, I should say, to to those five capitals. So I don't know of any other country in the world um, that actually has this triple lock mechanism. Nobody is forcing us to have it. It's an internal housekeeping rule which Ireland has imposed upon itself. So in a situation where, for example, we um, disapprove of an action taken by Russia, for example, um, the Security Council will never criticise that because Russia's on it. And in, currently, Russia has the chair of the Security Council, which is even more anomalous, a country which has willfully invaded another country, and it can actually stop any kind of sanction by that Security Council of its own actions. 
Yeah, correct. And, and we have a, a number of options. If we wish to, to modify or amend or, or tweak it slightly, I'd be more in favour of, of a double lock scenario so that we have a government decision and DAL approval, but that we would have regard uh, to a, a UN authorisation rather than to make it a precondition. So absolutely, I think UN authorisation should be a factor in the decision-making process, but it shouldn't be a precondition. It would allow Ireland basically to, to retain that, that sovereignty and that control over its own armed forces. Mm. So if the Security Council said um, we can force you not to go uh, because uh, there's only a double lock now, but we wouldn't really like you to go, what would any government do in that situation? Would you, uh, you know, give two fingers to the Security Council? Yeah, again, I suppose the situation has changed in Ireland in the last 20 or 30 years and that we actually have multi-party coalition government. So back in the 80s, there would be a a single party government, a T-shirt of the day would make a decision and all the party would be whipped to vote in a particular way. But even now we have a a three-party coalition. So even within the first lock itself, there's there's better control mechanisms. Yes, the decision-making process is slower, but you would argue that the decision-making process is probably better over time. So even within the first lock, which is uh, government approved or government sanction um, even that, that situation has improved as well so the circumstances mm. have evolved in the last 20 years. Now people might think this is all dancing on the head of a pin uh, but in practical terms it could happen uh, and maybe uh, hopefully sooner rather than later that some sort of peace plan is organised for Ukraine which might involve peacekeeping forces going to the borders uh, with Crimea for example uh, which is properly the property of Ukraine but Russia claims it and then the Donetsk Reason, region as well and areas where the Russians have uh, invaded and uh, you could imagine the Russians would do their best to make sure that such a peacekeeping force could not be constituted. Yeah, absolutely and even something simple like as, as in two years ago when we had to deploy some of our army rangers to Kabul to extract some Irish citizens in an evacuation mission. The, the ceiling was 12. We couldn't send more than 12 without UN authorization. And if you went to the UN in New York looking for authorization to try and send more than 12 troops to Kabul to evacuate some of your, your citizens, I mean, you'd be you'd be just laughed at. Uh, it's, it's largely an irrelevance over there. So I would be in favor of Ireland maintaining sovereign control uh, through its, you know, its uh, approved Arachtis uh, structures uh, over its own military when it's de- de- deploying them overseas. Do you have any view on uh, neutrality? Yeah, I, I think neutrality has served as well, but it depends on, on people's views of neutrality. So the, the official line is that uh, Ireland's neutrality means that we don't have or don't become a member of a former uh, of a formal military alliance that, that has a common defence clause, but it allows us to cooperate extensively with our neighbours and with our partners on a case by case basis. That's what Ireland has been doing successfully over the last eighty years. That we don't enter a formal defence alliances, but we cooperate extensively with the United Nations, with the European Union, and bilateral partners. I think that's that served as well. I think that the first priority, though. Because generally it, it, it heads into a, a neutrality, uh, uh, I suppose, discussion straight away is self-sufficiency is the way to go. Currently, we, we don't have the means to police our own airspace, our own territorial or economic waters, or even our own landmass. I think before we have any discussion in relation to how we interact internationally, we really need to sort out our own house first and make sure that we do have that capability to look after land, sea and air and, and cyberspace as well. Uh, And that means massive investment in the Defence Forces, uh, some of it on the way, but probably not enough for uh, the scenario that you envisage. Uh, Cahill, thank you very much for joining us. Cahill Berry, Independent DD, former Army Ranger. 
The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.